Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, Jesus, the vanquisher of demons. There's an interesting story. Well, it's more than interesting. There's a very telling story given to us in the Gospel of Mark. And I want to read it to you today and basically just make some comments with reference to Jesus and his ministry of deliverance to people who were oppressed uh, by demonic powers or people who were, uh, what we would say, demonized. And we have this often in the Gospels, narratives, when Jesus is dealing with the evil forces that are on people. Now, in the book of Acts, we have this sometimes indicated, and there's no real discussion of it too much in the epistles. But it plays a prominent role in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ during his ministry on earth in the days of his incarnation. Now, we might ask all kinds of questions as to why that's the case, but I think one reason is that because he is the mediator, he is the one who is the deliverer of God's people, and in his presence, the the demonic powers that he is their, he's their enemy and they are stirred up by his presence and they are agitated by his presence and therefore they afflict and manifest themselves more uh, as he moves around in his ministry. But here's a story from Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 24. And I'm going to read it from the uh, New Living Translation simply because it makes this story uh, come alive for us. Uh, so listen why I read with a few interpretive comments. It begins with this statement, when they return to the other disciples. So we have to ask the question, who is they? Where are they returning from? And the answer to that is, this is Matthew, uh, Matthew and Mark, Luke, and John are the gospel writers. And Mark is telling us that three of these disciples that is, Peter and James and John, known as the inner three, had, had gone with Jesus uh, on the mountain where he was transfigured before them. And that's a story in and of itself. But he was glorified in their presence. But the other disciples were at the foot of the mountain waiting for them to return. So that's what's going on when this starts. When they, that is, the three inner core disciples with Jesus return from the mount where Jesus had been glorified to the other disciples at the base of the mountain, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. That is, the disciples and Jesus observed a large crowd of people surrounding the disciples that were at the foot of the mountain. And some teachers of the religious law were arguing with them. So they saw their disciples in an argument with this other group of people. And when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. Now, it's interesting, because someone mentioned this to me today, that we're not told why they were filled with awe. So we can speculate, I guess, maybe Jesus' appearance is still altered in somewhat of a glorified state as he comes down the mountain. At any rate, when they saw Jesus and they knew who he was, they were overwhelmed with awe. They were awestruck. And they ran to greet him. 
Why? Because this is the man who has been casting out demons. He's the one who has been trampling the devil underfoot. He's the one who has been healing the sick, cleansing the lepers. He's the great miracle worker, the prophet. And so Jesus comes and he asks his disciples, what is all this arguing about? Now, he's also asking the whole crowd, why are you arguing? That's basically what he's saying. Why are you arguing with one another? One of the men in the crowd spoke up, and this is what he said. Teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. So now, what were they arguing about? Well, the scribes were arguing from their position about the demonic spirits and why this child or this young man was afflicted and why the disciples were not able to cast it out. And the disciples were were using Jesus' name and they were commanding the demon to leave him and he wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> so they seemed to be ineffective, not have the power, and the scribes were having a, a field day of it, basically. So there was a lot of arguing about what was going on. But here's a father. He is distressed and he is distraught. And so although Jesus is asking for an explanation as to why they're all arguing, this father, from the depths of his heart, cries out, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground, and then he foams at the mouth, he grinds his teeth, it becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, now who's the them? Well, it's all the people that he's talking about. The scribes, the religious teachers, maybe his own disciples, the people that are around. He says, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire, into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Jesus said, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit, that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. 
A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, This kind can be cast out only by prayer. Now, I want to just make a few comments in looking at this passage of Scripture with reference to the demonic, to what we might call, uh, it's not really possession because the, the demon is oppressing. He is uh, terrorizing. He's exercising some kind of control uh, with reference to this person. He, he doesn't necessarily live in him. That's not what the, the point is. The point is that he is demonized. He is bothered with, afflicted by demonic activity in his life. It could be on his mind. It's here. It's on his body. Toward this, this boy is unable to speak. He's mute. Something grasps his mouth, his jaw, and basically locks it. He can't talk. He is afflicted very much by this demonic power. Listen to it. The, The spirit seizes him. It throws him violently to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He grinds his teeth. It becomes rigid. That's the signs, the symptoms. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Now, when we listen to the descriptions of the boy, some might immediately jump to the conclusion, well, he's an epileptic and he's having an epileptic seizure. But we shouldn't go there too fast. It's true that epileptic seizures may have some of these activities, but this is an evil spirit that's causing it and keeps him from speaking at all. He recognizes, the father recognizes that there's something going on and it's some kind of evil power. Now, the disciples were unable to cast it out. We're not told why they were unable to cast it out because Jesus had earlier given his disciples the ability to cast out demons and they had gone forth in his name at least on two occasions, one time the twelve and another time 72, and they had healed the sick, proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, and cast out demonic spirits. But at this time, they were unable to do so. Now, this father is distraught. He's come for help, but they have been unable to help them. But so now the crowd is greatly pleased. Jesus has come back. Jesus is here. So maybe something can be done now. Maybe that's why Jesus calls them you faithless people. I don't know, but he said to the people, bring the boy to me. And so they brought the boy. There's the voice of command. Bring the boy to me. Now, I don't know the situation in your life or someone's life of someone you know, but I can hear Jesus say those words, bring him to me. And so they brought the boy. But what happened? 
when the evil spirit saw Jesus, okay? So there's personality involved in this spirit who recognizes Jesus and who he is. We see this in the gospel narratives. Sometimes when the evil spirits would see Jesus, they would call out a recognition of who he is. They called him at times the Holy One of God. You see that Jesus' presence, the great, holy, righteous Son of God, Son of Man, the vanquisher of demons, he threw them basically into a panic. They wanted to get out of his presence. They didn't want him around because he knew that he was their conqueror, that he had the real control, not them. But they would then attack sometimes the person that they're afflicting and manifest themselves in this way. So when they bring the boy and the evil spirit sees Jesus, it makes the boy go into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground writhing and foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked a very simple but very telling question. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the question because he wants to know the answer. And the boy's father says, since he was a little boy. Now, this is how serious the situation was. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. So this spirit tries to kill the boy. Now, we might say that's suicidal thoughts, but it doesn't have to be suicidal thoughts. The boy wasn't the one thinking about it, but something is in control of his body and tries to destroy him. But thankfully, the father is able to rescue him. He's able to keep this from happening. So he's in dire distress. He comes, he says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Now, Why would he say, if you can? Well, because he had been to his disciples, and the disciples had not been able to help the boy. So that's why he adds that, if you can. Jesus, though, puts the question back to him. What do you mean, if I can? And Jesus says, anything is possible if a person believes. Now, that verse is often taken out of context and used by people in very unauthorized ways. It's spoken in a context, and the context is Jesus, the person of Jesus himself. Listen, anything is possible if a person believes. Believes who? And believes what? So belief has to have an object. And the object of this belief is Jesus himself. That's why Jesus said, what do you mean if I can? So speaking of his own self, his own power, his own person, he has the power. And anything is possible if a person believes in me that I can do for them what needs to be done. And the father instantly cries out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You see, 
He's such a realist and we need to be realist. Belief in Christ is not a game or a mental manipulation of trying to convince ourselves that something's true and therefore I make it happen. That is not biblical faith. Biblical faith rests in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has the power to do what needs to be done. And we do often say that to be true of him and confess our faith in him. But there's an element sometimes in all of us, that little fear that maybe he can't or maybe he won't. And so it's good for us to say, I believe, help me in my areas of unbelief. Look, Jesus doesn't ask you to have great faith. He just asks you to have faith, faith in him. He, he doesn't move on the basis of what you perceive to be your great faith that will make him do things. He, he moves on the basis of your trust in him to do what's right with his power in his time. I do believe, but help my unbelief. Now, when the crowd when starts coming toward Jesus, see, he sees, they see that Jesus has spoken and that something's happened to this boy. And now the crowd of onlookers is growing and they're trying to rush toward Jesus. Now, Jesus is not on display. He's not trying to draw a crowd to watch him do the deeds. No, he immediately moves to end this whole situation. He rebukes the evil spirit. He talks to this devil. He tells him exactly what he wants him to do. He says, listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. Listen, you mute spirit. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. The spirit screams threw the boy into another violent convulsion and he left him. And when the spirit left, the boy's agitation is gone and the boy appears to be dead. He goes totally limp on the ground, fallen. And so a murmur runs through the crowd. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's killed him. He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up, delivered, healed. Jesus is the vanquisher of demons. Now, how did he do that? What's the power? Now, we could speak about Jesus having the power of Almighty God because he is God incarnate. But I want to point you to where we always need to go. I want to point you where Christ would point you today to the cross, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to these words. It's found in John's Gospel, in chapter 12. And Jesus has been speaking and he's predicting his crucifixion. He talks about the fact that the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I'm reading at verse 24, John 12. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, it dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, 
it produces a large crop. The one who loves this life will lose it. The one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And then Jesus says these words, Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But that's why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And Jesus is talking about the cross. His soul is troubled because he's headed in just a few days to the crucifixion. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I've glorified it and I will glorify it again. And the crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. And others said an angel spoke unto it. But this is what Jesus said. This voice came not for me, but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As for me, if I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to signify what kind of death he was about to die. The crowd replied to him, We've heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever, so how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who's this Son of Man? Jesus answered, The light will be with you only a little longer. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness doesn't overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of light. Jesus points to the cross. In the epistles, echo this great truth. The apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians that on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ made an open spectacle of the demons. He trampled them underfoot. This is why Jesus is the conqueror of the devil, the vanquisher of the demons, the savior of his people, and the deliverer from all the powers of evil that afflict people. Believe in him. Trust him. He is the Son of God. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights.